0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Captain Hunter's podcast, a podcast that is dedicated towards bridging the divide between the police and the communities that they serve. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for the love and support uh, that you all have been getting. Uh, so I've been receiving some um, requests for different shows, going to look into them. We really appreciate that. If you have any other show topics or anyone out there has a show topic, please make sure that you just uh, hit me up cptlhunter at gmail.com. Just think of Captain. CPTL as in Lawrence Hunter at gmail.com. Um, so reach out to me and I'll see if I can get the show done. Show ideas and everything like that. So I appreciate it. Uh, please make sure that you rate, subscribe, and share these episodes, whether you're listening to the audio version and or on the YouTube video versions. Please make sure that you rate subscribe and share. And most important is share. You know tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell an enemy or or whatever. Tell your mother in law <laughs> people that you like as well as people that you don't like. Make sure that you're sharing these episodes. Um, and please consider uh, helping out the show as far as financially. A dollar an episode, 50 cents an episode, something along those lines. I do publish eight episodes a month. Um, and I'm doing Facebook Lives. And I've got a couple books I got to read and and buying new equipment. And we're looking to do some some things where we can uh, get call-in viewers and everything like that. So we've got some different show, I, show uh, ideas, but unfortunately... Uh, You know, we all know that we live in a capitalistic society and everything takes time and money. Most importantly, it takes money. So if you want to see the show grow and have some different show ideas where you all can call in for live sessions and everything like that, um, then uh, then you got to help support with those different projects. So a dollar episode, fifty dollars for the whole year, something along those lines. Patreon page, uh, Captain Hunter's podcast or, you know, CPT. L Hunter and that's for PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo. CPT L Hunter, that's for PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo. All the same tags. So, without further ado, let's get into the episode today. We are going to discuss uh, the Native American controversy again. The names surrounding that. This time, we have a uh, uh, we have an actual um, Native person. Her name is Rhonda Anderson. She is the head of the Western. Massachusetts Commissioner of Indian Affairs. So uh, she grew up in Massachusetts, uh, had to uh, endure going to schools with Native American mascots. Um, and uh, I know I've talked about this a number of times, but I thought it would be good to have someone who actually uh, dealt with this situation and, uh, and experienced this personally. Uh, when we recorded this, the Washington Rskin football team uh, decided to give up their name of the Arskins. And so, uh, because of that, <clears throat> uh, I reached out again to Dr. D- Davis Delano, and uh, she put me in touch with uh, Ms. Anderson. So I want to thank Dr. Davis Delano for uh, having uh, for, for setting us up. So uh, we're going to talk to Ms. Rhonda Anderson. She's she's dealt with this from from her own perspective. She's the head of com- of a commissioner in of a commission in uh, Massachusetts, trying to remove all uh, native uh, images uh, from football teams or from high school teams and et cetera, et cetera. So we had a great conversation. And, um, so here we go. Here is the interview with Miss Rhonda Anderson. She does have a native name that I'm not going to begin to pronounce, but we'll get into it. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> here we go. Thank you so much for being on the uh, podcast. I'm speaking with Rhonda Anderson. I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, and I will let you introduce yourself because you have, I believe, a native name that I'm not going to try to uh, pronounce. And um, I just really want to say thank you for, for coming on. Thank
1: you. So, Pagalegesi, Anupiak Ingunga, Pangmapak, Anua Nuranga, Koenimi, Tanuxinga, Rhonda Anderson. Savakhtunga Western Massachusetts Commissioner on Indian Affairs in Me. So, Pagala Girsi, Koyanak Lala Nigavin. Thank you very much for listening. Um, And I'm speaking from Serkoki, Abenaki, um, and Pakamtak traditional homelands here in Chlorine, Massachusetts. I am Anupak Athabaskan, which is Alaskan native. Um, My traditional enrollment village is Koktuwik in Alaska. Alaska. Um, I've lived in Western Massachusetts uh, for most of my life, and I maintain connections both in Native community here in Massachusetts, but also in my homeland communities in Alaska, related to most of the state there. <laughs> um, I am a longtime activist on the removal of mascots um, in high schools, um, as well as an alum and a mother of a child in school districts with these mascots. Um, I've actually chosen not to have my child go to uh, one of these high schools um, in our district because uh, they have a native mascot. Um, which, you know, to be fair, we're gonna be proud of our children no matter what. So instead I have proudly cheered her on and her friends on as Ardvarks and otters. Um, I went to school at Mohawk Trail Regional High School um, and um, Turner Falls High School, which both have gone through um, mascot issues in the past three years.
0: Very good, thank you so much. So there's so much that I wanna talk about, about that. So let me just start off with, uh, if I say anything that is uh, deemed offensive, it's, <laughs> it's out of sheer ignorance. And so it's not—it's—it's it's not done because I'm a jerk or malicious or whatever. Um, so, uh, so what brought you here to—I uh, almost say Connecticut, but you're like an next-door neighbor there. What brought you to Massachusetts? Uh, from from your native roots are from uh, Alaska. How'd you get to Massachusetts, New England?
1: <laughs> and native people do fly. <laughs>
0: I don't mean, I don't mean what brought you. I mean, I mean, it was it work. Did your family relocate?
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. So my, uh, my mother originally went to Alaska from California. Um, and her paternal family was from Massachusetts and her maternal family was originally from New Jersey area. And when she was She went to high school and college in Alaska, and met my dad. Married, had me. I was a college dorm baby, and um, (laughs) that marriage didn't last very long. Uh, So she ended up moving uh, to New England area uh, to be with her her mother, and her mother's family uh, had relocated to. New England. So I've lived in Western Massachusetts since I was almost five years old. Um, I'm 50 now.
0: <laughs> really? So it's yeah, been a while. don't look at um, it at all. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thanks.
1: <laughs> yeah, wow, wow. Um, so uh, we, you know, I've, I've like I said, I'm sort of a, a dual citizen. I go back to Alaska often. In and I know my culture, I know my family. I've made sure that my daughter, who's 16, um, she's been to Alaska nine times out of 16 years, so she's very aware of her culture and her family there as well.
0: Very nice, very nice. Um, I'm hoping we have a great conversation because uh, I can tell you're kind of quick with it there, so I appreciate that. Um, Uh, So so this whole controversy that has been going on here, well, well, before we get into that, let's talk about your your upbringing a little bit. You went to schools that were, that did have native uh, 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 mascots. What was your feeling at that time when you were 16, uh, et et cetera, et cetera? What were your feelings? about
1: It was a very difficult time. It was very challenging. You know, I mean, Aside from being 16, that's challenging, right? Well, that's challenging (laughs) enough,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, But uh, so uh, Mohawk Trail Regional High School had a very huge mural on the side of their gymnasium wall. Huge. Um, 20 feet, 30 feet. It was huge. Um, And it was uh, of a plains uh, caricatured native headdress, very red skin at the time. It had been updated to be more brown skin, um, but, uh, it was, it was difficult because I felt like I, not only was I in an area where there was not a lot of natives like me, um, but then there was this type of representation that furthered my peers to see me for who I was or am and that made it very difficult Um, and as well being 16 you're trying to figure out who you are and uh, what your your culture is and to have this as a representation felt totally wrong like it, it couldn't have been worse and I knew that it wasn't right and everyone's trying to tell me that this is something to be proud of, and I was not proud of it, Um, and it made it very difficult during spirit week when, you know, people are starting to wear feathers and war paint and, you know, during the, the chop, (laughs) Um, and then the floats, uh, the floats were, were horribly degrading, and, you know, it was, you know, scalping and raiding and everything else was being portrayed as this, this warrior culture. Um, at Turner's Falls High School, it was just as bad, spirit week, um, I think you had to walk around the hall saying Ni Hao to everyone. Um, it, was, it was awful and, um, and I, I totally felt that it, it lowered self-esteem. It lowered, like, this, um, it associated, like, negative thoughts, even though it was an unconscious bias. It was negative thoughts towards Native people. We're gone. We don't exist anymore. We're savage. We're warrior-like. Fighting to the end. Um, sort of uneducated, simple how, ni how, Um, and it just created this air of discrimination that was totally acceptable, uh, within, the school society. And, and I feel like that's, that's what we really need to address, is we need to address this type of, um, this racism that is perpetuated in, in systemic and institutional ways, that begins with our children. Um, <laughs> you know, never mind professional sports. These are adults, growing adults. They're not in college, they're not in high school, we're talking children. Um, and it begins with the myth of Thanksgiving and colonization, um, you know, very early age, kindergarten, indoctrinated with these myths about Native Americans no longer here, um, savage. My daughter in third grade, uh, was taught a book, it was called The Courage of Sarah Noble, and it was considered to be um non which in third grade non is very subjective you're just learning about non what does that mean <laughs> um there's there's no no idea of of how subjective that text could be and she was taught in third grade that indians are savages and they would just as soon eat human meat off the bone
0: oh, third grade
1: wow. so wow. yeah i had i had her best friend sitting here at the dinner table, and mind you, the year before, second grade, they greeted each other, in our language, which means good morning, and so they knew that this was my daughter's native language. They knew that she's native. I go into school often. They sat here at my dinner table and said that my daughter is not native because she doesn't eat human meat off the bone and she's not a savage, and these were vocabulary words. Heathen Indian squaw moccasin porridge, wow. right? <laughs>
0: wow. And when
1: my, when my daughter, when my daughter asked for um, a sample for the word savage, she was given this: Indians are savages. And she wrote that on her exam, and it was marked very well done. And oh, wow. this is not acceptable. This, this was only a few years ago. Um, what 2000 and 10, 2011, it's, it's not acceptable. Um, So we have to take a look at how institutional and systemic racism plays out in our society today and that begins very early on um, in schools with our children, um, the most vulnerable of all of us, and it just, you know, creates this, um, Native Americans were the last acceptable and celebrated vestige of racism in this country. Um, I mean, there's obviously, there are no black Sambo football teams, right? <laughs> but yet we have the Washington, well, we did have the Washington Arskins. Um, So these are the things that we need to overcome and we need to uh, address. If we're actually gonna be working towards anti-racism, we need to be addressing all of these issues. That was a lot.
0: <laughs> uh, listen, I appreciate it. People don't don't tune in to hear me; they want to hear my guests. So I appreciate it. So thank you. Uh, so you, you, I, I want to kind of back up a little bit. So you, you, are very connected with your roots. You speak the language. Now, what, what, and if I say something wrong, please. <laughs> what uh, uh, tribe are you from, or, or, or? or I mean, I don't. I, what where what's your who are your people i mean um i hope i'm saying that right uh, i'm probably not but
1: <laughs> that's okay um so my my tribe is Anupak, and that's i'm enrolled in Anupak um Anupak is uh the north slope of alaska um also Inuit. Um, okay, okay so that would go a circumpolar, mostly, so across Alaska, Canada, Greenland, um, Inuit, uh, okay. we're all the same family of communities and peoples, different dialects of language, but very similar dialect, um, and I'm enrolled, federally enrolled through the Bureau of Indian Affairs as Anupiaq Athabaskan, and Athabaskan is one of the largest uh, native subgroups on this continent. Uh, it ranges from central Alaska, all the way down to New Mexico area. It's the Diné people. Um, like I said, one of the largest subgroups uh, on this continent. Um, I identify as Anupak. Uh That was my, my grandmother was Anupak, uh born in Koktovik. And Koktovik is my enrollment village. We don't have reservations. We weren't pushed off of our traditional homelands. Uh, so when Alaska Land Claims Settlement Act passed um, in 1970, we, were, um, we, we enroll in our traditional villages. Um, so I wasn't born in Kaktowik. Um I was born in Fairbanks, Alaska but that's the village that I am enrolled in. I'm related to almost everybody there. <laughs> I know I know my cousins, I know my family from there. <laughs>
0: uh, so do you, uh, listen again, I, I don't know, so I'm not trying to be an idiot here. Do you consider yourselves, um, when people say they consider themselves American, you said you were born in Fairfanks, Fairbanks, Alaska. Do you consider yourself American or dual citizenship? Or, or how, do you, how do you classify yourself? <laughs>
1: Back up there real quick because a lot of people think that Alaska is not part of the United States. <laughs> I've well, gotten that a lot. I,
0: well, I know that it is. I mean, I hope you know, I didn't. You know, oh, okay. You okay. Know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, people think. I know people think that about Puerto Rico and in Virgin Islands and people are idiots and stuff. You know, so yeah, Hawaiians. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, damn.
1: <laughs> for example, my daughter was sick and we were traveling in South Central Alaska. Uh, We were about 350 miles from the nearest hospital and she had spiked a very high fever um, for the second day now. And so we went to a village clinic and, you know, there's in Alaska, there's clinics because you, accessibility to a main hospital is basically Anchorage or Fairbanks. And most of the time in Fairbanks, you get sent to Anchorage anyway. Um, So, we stopped at the clinic for treatment and I had to argue with my health insurance because they said, we do not cover incidences outside of the United States. I kid you not. That's an insurance company. Like I'm, we were in Alaska. (laughs) Like that's part of the United States. So it's, it's a very common, um, I hear it all the time, you know, that traveling out of the country or, um, not being part of the United States. So, uh, do I feel American? Maybe, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm less proud of America these days, (laughs) but I feel like we're,
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah no I know I I I'm, I know that we're trying to be sensitive about this but um I mean I know that you're you're you you register as a tribe and and I I am not exactly always sure as to how that goes um when I went to the Grand Canyon I know that I didn't speak to actual any natives there but I know that there's some sovereign territory there um and I don't know if the people consider oh, themselves yeah. yeah I don't know if people consider themselves american or or do they do you I mean do you vote in in, in elections and US elections? I mean I, you know, I don't you know, I, I don't mean I don't mean yeah. Alaskans. I don't so, mean white Alaskans. I'm talking about you and your <laughs> tribe. You're really killing me. You're making me feel really bad. <laughs> um do you do you, so, you Yes. Yeah. yeah okay.
1: <laughs> so, Anupak is not a sovereign nation. We it was So, an interesting thing is one of my cousins, um, his name is Charles Ituk Edwardson. He fought very hard for Alaska land claim settlement Act because he felt as though, well, he, he learned that the Alaska was basically one of the biggest, you know, Brooklyn Bridge sales uh, ever to happen where Russia said, hey, we've got this land, we wanna sell you, you know? And it wasn't their land to sell to the United States. This is land since time immemorial from the indigenous people that occupied that land, you know, for tens of thousands of years. And that is documented. And so he became a lawyer and um, fought for the Land Claim Settlement Act. And when it passed, it was both, um, land breaking, um, you know, millions of acres were given back to indigenous people, um, but there was a trade-off that was not acceptable, and that trade-off was, is that we didn't have sovereignty, um, where in the United States, tribal nations exercise tribal sovereignty and self-determination. We don't have tribal sovereignty, um uh within the tribes of alaska we should we should absolutely have tribal sovereignty and that would help solve a lot of issues um but it's very complicated um a lot of villages you can only arrive by airplane um you know it, it's it's a very complicated issue but no we are not sovereign nations um in alaska
0: okay
1: i i think that answers that <laughs>
0: Uh, so you obviously as you mentioned keep up with your roots you speak the language I assume that you're fluent in in the language you you're fluent no oh okay oh. No. So-
1: I know how to, I know how to greet my elders and uh, to introduce myself properly, I can yell at my daughter you know we need to go. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, little things. I know, I know small bits and pieces and I can piece together a conversation if I hear it, but, um, answering back fluently is not, not going to happen. Um, I'm a long ways from there, but, uh, I, I hope that one day I can. Yeah. You work on it or practice? I do. Yes. Okay. I, I, uh, cousins that have done a lot of work in teaching, um, the Anupat language and creating, um, video games actually for children. Uh, Never Alone is one of these great video games, uh, where one of my cousins worked on it. Um, so I have access to the language. It's, it's hard because I don't always hear it here in Massachusetts. (laughs) I have to really work on it. Um, and, you know, I try to teach what I can to my daughter which is fun. When she was real little, I used to say <laughs> which means, did you fart? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> very and, nice. you know, I would kiss her every day, putting her on the bus. I'd kiss her every day on the bus and say, <laughs> which means I love you. And she only had that for a couple of years. And then she said, no more. <laughs> but I try.
0: So. Uh, that's important. Um, so let's get to your time. And Once again, back in high school, I just kind of wanted to back up there. Did you, 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 you said how you felt. Can you express, I mean, or did you know how to express at that time why it was wrong? We knew it was wrong. You see the big mural. and, and But were you able at that time to internalize why this was so wrong and, and how you felt at the time?
1: uh yeah i mean i i generally felt like it was um i it was hard to put into terms because you know you don't have such how can i explain it i didn't have a lot of relatives that were around me in massachusetts we are 0.6 percent of the population here um as a whole and never mind, you know, (laughs) Anupiaq, that's a whole different story, Um, but I definitely felt as though it was disrespectful, it was degrading, it felt like the last of the Indian trope, you know, warriors to the end, Um, and it made it very difficult to speak up about it. Um, Speaking up about it, was so challenging because everyone had bought into this we're warriors um mentality and this is honoring you aren't you happy aren't you proud um no no i wasn't and that made it very difficult especially at a young age to to make a stand against your peers um when you're pretty much the only one um there's a few other people of course but not many <laughs>
0: So why do you think that most people don't understand it? And I know, yeah, why do you think that most people, I'm talking about most white people who who uh, adopt these symbols uh, do not understand the way that you thought then, the way that you were ta- telling your daughter in the controversy today?
1: I I don't know. Um, I I just... I don't know, it's very challenging, and I feel like these types of images and representations uh, make our cultures invisible to most mainstream society. They see a native mascot and think that's what native people are supposed to look like. We are so varied in shades and colors and sizes and languages and, cultures, we are so different. Um, there's over 574 tribally, uh, federally recognized tribes in this country. Um, and that's just a small fraction of what it used to be, you know, 400 years ago. Um, and, uh, and one compressed image only serves one purpose. And that, that feathered headdress warrior is just a nod to the you know, uh, manifest destiny, doctrine of discovery, the, the, you know, that we were defeated and need to be held up in this one image. Um, you know, sort of, and I, I hear it so often, like, we're, we're, we're honoring the proud Indians because if we don't, they're gone. Like, well, we're still here and that's not who we are. Um, and, and it, it's not, so not through the fault of, of not trying. So 1968, um, the National Congress of American Indian, uh, started their, their, um, like, making it well known that this was, this was not what, you know, how, how people should be, uh, celebrating you know, mascots and in football teams. 1967, Susan Harjo uh, versus pro football team started litigation. The National Congress of American Indian again, 1968, passing resolutions and campaigns against mascots. Um, 1972, Russell Means filed for lawsuits, um, libel, slander, um, defamation. Um, 1973, protests began. Um, God, even in 1963, um, uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, spoke, um, eloquently about how racism, sort of, uh, Americans, like, born into, into, into this, like, doctrine of, like, this original American inferior race and, you know, are just... It's it's in all of our films, our literature, everywhere. Um, I'm like going off on a tangent on no, many no. different ways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wanted to ask you. I, I wanted to ask you about um, you. You mentioned um, uh, obviously the the, the massac controversy and the Arskins, uh, and you mentioned that there was no um, images of the Sambo, uh, you know, to, to African Americans, right? And so, obviously, the, the Sambo image is a is a obviously negative image that was designed to make fun of African Americans, right? Thick lips, big white eyes, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's mm-hmm. obviously making fun of that. Now, the Cleveland Indian Chief Wahoo or whatever was, in my estimation, that. The Arskin image, I would say, yes. is is not that. And so, I think that that I think that that's probably. What people are saying is this image, that Arskin image, former image, whatever, is is seen as positive, regal, uh, uh, manly, what some other positive positive adjectives, and you're saying that it's not, and so, and, and so I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to get into the mind of, of of the of the other side of the argument, and saying that that what we're doing is honoring you, and I get what you're saying. We're still here. Oh, hey, we're still here. <laughs> you know, we haven't gone. You know, for the most part, we haven't gone anywhere. Um, and so, so, you know, convince us that 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 particular image, or the feather headdress, or the Seminoles, or the Braves, are actually negative. And I, I know that they don't get it. I know that they don't get it.
1: Right. Well, I mean, for starters, our skin is a dictionary-defined racial slur. <laughs> I mean, you can't ignore that. That in of itself is inexcusable, unacceptable. Um, having a dictionary defined racial slur, you may as well have the N-word out there. Um, <laughs> I'm
0: sure if you ask some black people, they wouldn't mind so, but, but but that's a... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but most native mascots, like the mascots themselves, are portrayed as warlike, aggressive, and violent um and they perpetuate that stereotype image of what a native person looks like and like with those stereotypes and violent portrayals they create these biases that dramatically affect our outcomes as native people as native people we have the highest rates of murder our women are missing and murdered at a higher rate than any other race on this continent we're talking Uh, Canada included. Um, We suffer the highest rates of sexual assault, 90% of Native American women are sexually assaulted in this country. We have the highest rates of suicide, particularly of our teen and young adults. We have the highest rates of incarceration and death from police brutality of any race in this country. So it can be really hard to visualize a future with yourself in it when you're facing this kind of erasure and this kind of violence portrayed as who you're supposed to be. Um, and these biases, like, they dramatically affect our outcomes. It is not, um, it's not a, an image that makes Native people proud, and it creates an, an air and an environment where stereotyping and bad behavior happens. I mean, then you suddenly get the war pain, you get the dumb feathers, and You get these, you know, this one guy had a spear with a native head on it. Um, These are the fans, yeah, Google it. These are the fans out in the yard and having direct uh, face-to-face confrontations with native people that stand up and say, this isn't right, this isn't, you know, acceptable. And then there's this cognitive dissonance that happens When you're saying that this is not acceptable, you're not honoring, and this is why, there's all of these excuses that suddenly come up. Well, you know, this portrayal is honoring you, it's not um, degrading anyone, it's not a chief Wahoo image, which, oh my gosh, thank goodness. I mean, last year they got rid of it? That's just, it's unbelievable that, that, that it hung on for so long. Um no it's it's not acceptable.
0: <laughs> you mentioned all these you mentioned all these different statistics uh, the murder rate the sexual assault rate the missing uh, persons rate what what's what's the cause of that what, what what I mean is that I mean is yeah what's the cause of that <laughs>
1: Um so Ooh. um for murdered and missing indigenous women it has a lot to do with, you could start with mascots, you know, you could go there. <laughs> um, that we as Native people are meant to be overcome, overpowered and dominated. We have to accept our fate that we, uh, we didn't win this country. Um, Is
0: this what people have said? have said?
1: Oh, absolutely. All the time. I'll hear it today. I'll be speaking on another panel later today. I'll, I'll be hearing all of these things said to me. Um, you need to get over it. You lost. We won. Done. Um, and so Native women, we have also been a thing to conquer. Um, we have also been fetishized. Uh, if you look at the Disney version of Pocahontas, my lord, she was a 10-year-old child who was kidnapped. Like, I can't even. I, I can't even. And, and, and all of these young girls who watch this movie and watch her fall for the, the one white guy, uh, I can't even. And then they want to dress like her for Halloween. Well, okay, that's all, innocent and everything when you're in second grade, but when you go to college, suddenly you become Pocahontas, and you're wearing these really sleazy, very slutty outfits, you know, and these names of these outfits. If you've ever gone to Spirits for Halloween outfits, go find the Native section. You will be shocked. These names are, are horrifying and it all has to do with the sexualization and fetishization of Native women. And, you know, I myself, uh, I've been raped twice, and one of them very clearly was because I was a Native person, of the way things were done and said during the interaction. Um, Oh my God. And, yeah, it's real. It's very real. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and as well with uh, mascots, you know, it's warrior like, they're fierce, they're violent, they're dominating, they're, they've got clubs and tomahawks and the tomahawk chop chant, right? So that presents in your mind, and you as a police officer may know all about these biases, unconscious biases that humans have towards people of color. Well, Native men are no different, and they are perceived as more dangerous than any other race in this country. <laughs> and and uh, okay, more...
0: we're not going to go to the Prussian Olympics, but but I think black men kind of got you no, beat. No, we're there. not
1: going to go to the. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I think black men got you beat st- there.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it is a statistic that is but... recorded; it is factual. Well, yeah, um, we I do you. <laughs> from, um, you know incarceration rates and death from police brutality at higher rates um, per capita than any other rates. Um, and yes, I don't wanna play oppression Olympics. We're all in this together, right? <laughs> and we need to stand by each other. Um, this is how we work through it, is through solidarity um, and bringing awareness.
0: Absolutely, um,
1: absolutely. So, um, so that's how, and the suicide is having, again, When was the last time you turned on the radio and heard uh, an all-native band playing music in the top 40? When was the last time you turned on the TV and saw a TV show where the protagonist was a Native family, just doing normal Native things like going to school, going to work, watering the lawn. I mean, average, ordinary things that we all do. In our average day, instead we're portrayed as the stereotype Indian. Um, when was the last time you watched a movie where there was a protagonist? I mean, a very like you know, I'm not talking. What was that? Dances with Wolves or anything? <laughs> the protagonist there was not a Native person. Um, you know, I'm in an actual Native film with Native families doing regular, ordinary things. It doesn't happen. And so when you don't have that kind of representation in mainstream society, and what you are faced with is stereotypes and images that are incorrect and portray you as violent and savage, uneducated, then yeah, it can be really hard, really, really hard to talk about. Um, I'm seeing, I'm sorry. I'm seeing my daughter say, she's hearing me talk about this upstairs and she's like sending me messages. Mm-mm, she's shaking her, barfing she, and shaking her head. Is she
0: not agreeing? <laughs> yeah. or, or is she not agreeing what you're
1: saying? She's or? agreeing, she's agreeing. She's agreeing. Um, anyway, it can be really hard to um, face yourself, uh, see, see yourself in, in the, and visualize yourself in the future. And that also creates um, a lot of uh, suicides um with our young children um would
0: would your daughter mind would your daughter mind would you mind if your daughter came on she doesn't have to show her face she can sit off to the side is that okay or
1: nayana do you want to be part of the conversation she said no
0: (laughs) Okay. okay no problem no problem are you a police officer who's taken a promotional exam one or two times and has not fared so well Do you know someone who wants to become a police officer but is not sure about how to go about the process? Or maybe they've also taken the exam and not fared so well. Are you the head of an organization who's looking for leadership training for yourself or for your employees? LMH Police Training and Consulting Services has those services as well as more. My services can be offered through online virtual training or one-on-ones. I even have online courses for those who are on the go. You can buy my police officer preparation course, or you can purchase my promotional exam course all online. All of this is available and more at hunterpolicetraining.com. And remember, I'm here to prepare you for your future today. Um, yeah, so, so there's a lot of uh, Native Americans who... I, met, I was deliberately not trying to say that. There are a lot of indigenous persons who don't feel the same way about the, about the, 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 the mascot controversy. Uh, I know that people on all sides and there's just no monolith, African-Americans don't have a monolith either. Um, but what do you say to native persons who don't agree with what you're saying?
1: Well, there's a couple of different, um, a couple of different ways to approach that. And one way is to understand when native mascotry became fashionable is around the same time that native youth were actively taken from families and homes and put into um, residential schools. This was an act of intentional cultural genocide. When they could no longer intentionally genocide Native people, they tried to culturally genocide Native people. Um, so, at the same time where they were removing children and putting them in residential schools to culturally genocide them, there was this shift of Native uh, of non-Native people who were trying to gain a foothold in America and try to create an identity for themselves. This is the melting pot, right? There's so many different types of identities and cultures coming into this continent now. How do you how do you find one common identity um, as an American person? And that was to to culturally appropriate and to use images of native people um, as mascots, make them feel better about uh, you know. The colonization, make them feel better about the manifest destiny and uh, you know the the colonization and consequential murder of Indigenous people. Um, Make them feel like we're honoring you and see we see you, but you really don't. Um, So number two is not only some of the older generation of Native people you know, that are like my dad's age and, and whatnot and maybe just reaching into my generation because uh, ge- uh, residential schools are still around, um, is that they were so stripped of who they are culturally um, and being told, this is an honor, we're honoring you. You have no idea the, what they faced in these schools. It was terrible. It was absolutely terrifying. Brutal is is a word that doesn't even encompass the, the type of behavior that they had to endure.
0: You can take a minute, but take your time.
1: Intergenerational trauma is real. Intergenerational trauma is real. And when you're told that you are nothing, but yet this image represents you and it's an honor, you take it because what else do you have? Native people who are supported by their families and their communities and see themselves in positive ways Do not feel that this type of mascotry and imagery is suitable nor honorable. And I think I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) I didn't expect to be emotional about it, but there it is.
0: (laughs) You mentioned, you you okay? You want to take a minute here? Yeah. I'm fine. Like I said, I didn't expect it. So. <laughs> I know, so I, listen, I I I can identify. I mean, in the last few years of my life, and the reason, you know, I think that when you talked about the, the cultural, uh, uh, what was the word genocide? The cultural genocide. I mean, you got to give you got to give them a, a lot of credit because they did a fantastic job on yourself myself and I'm still finding out stuff, still reading new stuff about what happened to African-Americans and you know, and we, our families were broken up and destroyed and all this stuff as well as yours. And I'm still trying to figure out what what happened here, what happened there, why were these people lynched and all this stuff. So, And I understand, uh, I understand. And I don't think that other pe- people do. They don't understand that intergenerational trauma, as you mentioned, is real and people feel it years later. And when I look at the certain images and you know, the, the whole Confederate statue that was erected in direct opposition to what African Americans were trying to get. And I would also include indigenous persons that we're all trying to fight for. And this is uh, you know, they don't get it. So so I understand. I, I really, really do. I really, really do. When you look at movies, and you mentioned Dancers with Wolves, and I would include <laughs> that movie, Avatar. Um, what, what do you oh, great. Right, 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 right. What, 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 what's, your, what's your, I mean, besides the story and the lesson of, of, of the story of Avatar, um, I actually enjoyed the movie. But, but what, what's your feelings about when you watch, or, I don't know if you did, watch those types of movies, what's your feelings about?
1: It's a complicated feeling because, um, in one sense, um, very, like, Avatar, um, feeling very excited. There was a lot of Native actors that were, um, the Pandorian people. (laughs) I forget their name. I forget their, their tribal name. But, um, there was a lot of Native actors that were, um, taking part in that. So we felt a sense, I felt a sense of pride. But at the same time, going, wait a minute. So the only person that's going to save them is a white guy from Earth.
0: Listen, they can't, they can't stop. They can't, they, can't, they can't help themselves. They really can't. You know, I, I know this might sound offensive, but, but they can't. They, they, and they don't see the problem with that. You know, the, the, the white savior goes to uh, ancient Japanese, Chinese karate movies to, to you know, they can't you know, So but go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> go
1: ahead. No, that was pretty much all I, <laughs> all I wanted to say about that. And the same goes with Dances with Wolves. I mean, yeah. you know, that's the other thing about mascots and on most of the images that were portrayed in mainstream society is that we are part of the past. We're not part of contemporary culture. We're not here in the present. We're part, we're, we're figments of, uh, the past, and, and that does nothing to help us. It does nothing to help non-Native people. It does nothing to help Native people. And we are here, and we have real issues. We have real victories. We have all kinds of complicated things happening that are both joyous and, and heartbreaking. And the only thing that people can focus on right now is mascots.
0: <laughs> What's the next fight? You said the only thing you focused on is mascots. I know that there was been some pipeline issues, and once again, I'm going to sound, you know, yeah, uh, yeah I'm going to sound kind of, you know, uh, unlearned. I don't want to say ignorant, but unlearned as to the exact what was going on with that. So w- what what's the next issue? I mean, are you going to go after more mascot issues, different teams, uh, other pipeline, other land uh, um, uh, uh, issues? What What's the next Big fight for for your group.
1: Oh my goodness! So, Indigenous people have been fighting environmental racism for four hundred years, <laughs> right? So, it's been there. There are a lot of issues, and it goes across the whole continent. Um, like today. I, I had this conversation with someone who was saying they wanted to change the town town name of Turner's Falls because it, it recognizes um, basically a murderer <laughs> who committed a massacre against uh, over 200 Native, mostly women and children, um, and changed the name to Great Falls. But now they weren't so sure because other issues are coming up like COVID and the town has to deal with other things. And... And I feel like, you know, as Native people, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Like we've been dealing with multiple issues on multiple levels all together in one day. So I'm talking with you today. Later this, this afternoon into, or into the evening, I'll be sitting on a school committee meeting uh for i don't know how many hours it could be three or four hours um because there's a um a school that is thinking about changing their their mascot and image
0: um so of
1: course passing
0: to the native image or away from the native image
1: away 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 from the native image (laughs) um there's there's been about four or five schools Um, in the past month and a half that have changed away from native mascots and imagery. Um, So that is really happening. I'll be on four different um, school committee meetings in the next three days. Um, And as well, we have the five bills, I think it's five bills in the house right now Um, regarding Indigenous issues in Massachusetts. Um, One of them is uh, protecting our cultural heritage, Um, and that means if an item comes up that is of cultural significance, it should not be sold through auction houses. Um, It should be repatriated back to Indigenous people. Um, I was part of a great repatriation uh, two years ago. It's a whole other story, but it was very powerful. There's uh, abolishing Columbus Day and having Indigenous Peoples Day. There is um, the state flag and seal is up for a vote right now. Um, uh, Right before I got on the phone with you or on the Zoom call with you, that that particular bill was up for a vote on the House floor. Um, So I can't wait to see what happened there. It's been 35 years that it's been up for vote. 35 years put that sink in, 35 years indigenous people have been saying our state flag and seal is truly racist and, <laughs> and, and honors the slaughter and, uh, of indigenous people and, and keeping them at bay through violence um, with the sword held over the head of a native person um, through, I forget uh, the exact words of the, the motto, but it's through, through the sword piece or the piece something, something. It's basically like, we're going to chop your head off. Like we've done hundreds of times before, if you don't be peaceful. Um, and then removing mascots, uh, from high schools. Um, that is another bill that we're trying to push through. Um, my own tribe, I'm, again in a back from Koktovic Koktovic is the only village in area 1002 of the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge Arctic 1002 was set aside by president Carter um as um a, like a petroleum reserve uh type situation it is it surrounds my village and um we have corporations, we don't have reservations. I think I kind of touched on that a little bit, and so I belong to Arctic Slope Regional Corporation and Coctobac Corporation, and um, back in 2018, uh, a bill was passed through Congress, and in that bill slipped in, <laughs> slipped in the right to, um, to to um, have extractive industry in Area 1002 for the first time. Um, So we've been fighting that uh, because the actual lives and and cultures of indigenous people will be forever impacted um, as well as one of the most pristine areas left on this continent um, that is biodiverse to thousands of Uh, different critters and and the only calving grounds for the porcupine caribou herd that indigenous people rely on for food and sustenance. Um, If that happens it would be absolutely devastating. We need to move away from fossil fuel industry and extractive industry. We need to uh, look towards renewable energy. And we need to do that in a reciprocal way with our earth and with, uh, the indigenous people who live on those lands. Um, reciprocity needs to happen. Um, so I've, um, I've been fighting, um, to stop that drilling. Um, I, I haven't been in the past, Oh, I don't know, nine months or so. Um, I try to bring it up when I can. Not very many people like here in New England know about Area 1002 or the bill or the drilling that could happen. Um, so I try to bring that up when I can, but I've, I've tried. Um, I've spoken on that, you know, in DC, I've gone to Europe and I spoke to um, several different banks and asked them to no, no longer fund drilling in the Arctic. Um, And I have spoken to the CEO and presidents of both ConocoPhillips and BP and asked them not to drill in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Um, All of those initiatives were um, well received. And, um, you know, while ConocoPhillips is remaining uh, on the north slope through the National Petroleum Reserve, which is to the west, they're not going to be drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. BP has pulled out. And all the, all three banks that we spoke to have also uh, created policies against drilling in the, in the fragile Arctic refuge. Um, so it's worth it. It's worth it to speak up, even if you feel like you're the only person. And sometimes I have been the only person speaking up to these issues. Um, there's so few of us. Um, it can be lonely, it can be hard. Why, why, why are so
0: many people uh, not speaking up uh, and helping you? Um, you said there's only over 574 tribes. Um, why is there so few voices? And what is the percentage of people who agree with many of the reforms that you want? What's up with that? If you can answer. I know it's a tough question. I know it's a tough question. Why are more African-Americans, yeah, yeah. why aren't more African-Americans, whatever, I understand.
1: I can't I can't answer that I know that we do um we have stuck up for each other and I know that you know I went to Standing Rock and I stayed in Orchete Shacoin Camp um because I wanted to have that same support that reciprocity I'm supporting you against extractive industry support us against extractive industry when the time comes and that reciprocity is there and we are receiving a lot of help from Native Movement, from um, Indigenous Environmental Network, um, among other, many other different Indigenous organizations and tribal leaders. Um, but again, we are not seen in mainstream society in contemporary culture. It's very difficult um, for our issues to be heard.
0: You ever get tired of all the work that you're doing? Seems like you're on the run and you ever get tired mentally, physically, emotionally, and all that from trying to fight these fights?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it, it is tiring. And um, especially in the mascot issue, um, I have personally seen a young woman, a very, who I consider to be like my my niece. She... Um, was speaking at a mascot hearing in person in Turner's Falls, Um, a Smith student, so extremely intelligent, extremely bright, such a a rising star, um, amazing human being. And she was speaking um, about mascots and she was saying something about, you know, I'm, I'm scared to be speaking here. I've received death threats." And she immediately got booed and silenced. And to see what that did, how that crushed her emotionally, was devastating. Um,
0: she was speaking at Smith College? Is that what you said?
1: No, spe- speaking at in Turner's Falls. She's okay. a, Smith College, she was a Smith College student at the time. Um. It's absolutely devastating. And as you know, like, um, I can be pretty ambiguously ethnic, maybe, uh, um, but it's very difficult. You know, you can't just change who you are. You can't, like, these high schools and these uh, football teams, professional football teams, they can go home at the end of the day and they can hang up their. They're our skin's outfit, and their are Indian's outfit, and they can be who they are. And we don't get that privilege. Like, we are still who we are. We still face all of everything that comes with who we are. And that alone is really tiring. Um, the satisfaction I get is when people want to listen, that people make educated um, choices, that helped the betterment of everybody, um, but really listening is, is so key, just listening. You <laughs> it's ever, such a simple thing to do. I,
0: I understand. <laughs> do you ever face discrimination? Um, you said you present as kind of, and obviously I can see you, you, I, mean, I don't, I don't like that term ambiguous. Um, I mean, you know, but uh, do you ever do you ever face any type of uh, racism um, when you're at a store or or anything like that?
1: Yeah. Um, so um, in Western Massachusetts, not so much. Um, I don't really have uh, too many stories here in Western Massachusetts. I have received, uh, as, of course, when I'm speaking out about um, Native mascot issues? Yes, like I just made this big long speech in front of a school committee about their mascot, and I spoke in my traditional language, I am an alum of that school, and the woman in front of me when I was done speaking turned around and said, well that's nice, I want to hear from a real Native person, like a Native chief or something, a man, (laughs) and you know...
0: Just total, totally over a head, right? Just didn't get it at all. Just didn't get it yeah. at
1: all. And that's such a, a, a colonizer, patriarchal point of view that natives are chiefs and they have men and, <laughs> you know, it totally overlooks the matriarchal society and the the roles that women had in our leadership and still do have in our leadership. And... um. You know, I've, I've seen so often, you know, go home squaw, I've seen people posting things like, you know, I should be hung from a teepee, or I should, you know, be scalped. Um, In, in Florida, I received the worst treatment, probably, I guess, I mean, there's a lot of really bad treatment I've, I've had in Alaska. Um, but I think the worst treatment was in Florida because it was so humiliating. I was sitting in a restaurant, um, with my husband who, who is ambiguously, he's half Korean and half European mutt he's adopted, but he looks like your typical stereotypical native, dark skin, long black hair and a braid, you know, um, anyway, we did not, um, get a menu. <laughs> We didn't even get water for an hour and a half, and that restaurant turned over four times. Nothing. We received nothing. What part nothing. of Florida was that? We were in um, Mid-State on the, the Eastern side, near Jacksonville, below Jacksonville.
0: Well, I've heard a lot of things about Jacksonville. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean listen. I mean, we
1: were in the middle of the floor. I mean, the very middle of the whole restaurant. You did you couldn't complain? Avoid it.
0: Did you complain or to the manager?
1: I raised my hand several times and, you know, hello, hello, nothing, nothing. And we just kept talking with each other and not raising a stink or anything, but just like talking with each other thinking like, oh, they recognize us. They acknowledged us. They'll be over. They're busy. Like made all these excuses. And when it turned over four times and we still didn't have water, we still didn't have a menu, an hour and a half later, I was like, oh, my God. Like now I get it. Like, we're too brown for this place. Were you the only brown um, people in there? Yes. Yes. So we left. Um, That was, that was the, you know, that was hard. And, you know, I've gone through, like, uh, my dad and I were walking through a deli and we stopped and we looked up at the menu and the restaurant owner said I know you types you you just look at the menu but you don't order anything get out of here um this past summer weird. walking that, that was weird in Alaska
0: oh in La- in wow. Alaska. wow
1: yeah and you know the n-word is also used uh towards Alaska natives as well so I've heard that often um
0: do they put do they put do they put, the, do they put uh, any type of Adjective in front of it, I know when they call Arabs that they call them sand n-words, you know, sand. Do they call do they put any type
1: of... Uh, sometimes, you know, it could be the, the s n-word or or the, the tundra n-word, the snow n-word or tundra n-word, but um, yeah, it, it was just hurled out this summer, just the plain old n-word. So um, I, I really believe that um, things have stepped up a lot. Um, in our country as far as racial tension and the ability for people to feel it's okay to hurl these pejoratives
0: well, Why do you think that? Why do you think that that's going on? Why do you think that people Um, are so more comfortable now?
1: uh, (laughs) Because of uh, who is leading our country at this point in time. Um, He has a long history of racist behavior and he makes no qualms about uh, siding with the wrong side of history on these things. Um, and, and it's sad, it's really sad. And I feel like it's emboldened a lot of people. Um, and, and I see it all the time. A lot of people who are against mascots in high schools, they're wearing Trump shirts. It happens, they, come, they show up wearing Trump shirts. Like they just wear it, wear it. like this is who I am. And it's, it's, it's really sad.
0: I just got to, uh, one or two more questions. I wanted to get your thoughts as we continue with that with that line of thinking about what your thoughts about the Confederate statues. Do you have any opinion about that? I know you are obviously in favor of taking down the Columbus statues. Uh, in my own home city, my yeah. the Columbus statue that was here was actually vandalized, and somebody cut the head off of it. Um, but what are your thoughts about 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 all? Yeah, you, I know. <laughs> what are your What are your thoughts about about all that kind of not the not the not the vandalism of it, but just the whole removal and Confederate statues and flags and all that stuff.
1: I think it's about damn time. Like, we should not be holding uh, racist ideals and murderers um, in, on pedestals. We should not be putting them up on pedestals. And I, for one, certainly do not learn my history by looking at statues. I'm sorry, but I read a book I go to school, I, you know, like there's, there's no way that I'm going to walk up to a statue and be like, ooh, teach me about this history <laughs> and like only have that image as, as the only factual history available to me. <laughs> so, you know, people who are saying, oh, well, removing these uh, uh, statues is removing history. No, no, it's not. It's called a book it's called literature (laughs) like read about it it's not that hard we should not be putting these people up on pedestals plain and simple and as far as Cristobal Columbus he's so they should have cut his hands off on top of it all just saying
0: (laughs) I kind of thought you'd think that way um so i'm gonna let you go thank you so much for your time i did ask you what you had coming up next uh is do you guys have a website or people i mean i want people to reach out to you if they have something positive to say not to troll you or whatever <laughs>
1: um uh, so if
0: you know if you don't want to give it i would understand You know. So.
1: <laughs> I, I i do and i don't uh, <laughs> so, um i know that you're not from massachusetts but I was actually born there.
0: I was actually born in Boston, and then I have family in Randolph, so.
1: Nice. (laughs) So massmaindigenousagenda.org is is a great place to go to. Um, It has information links, and most importantly, information about the bills that are um, before the House right now, Um, and gives you an idea of the good fight that we're fighting here in Massachusetts anyway.
0: Well, I, I certainly mean this, and I, when I say that, I wish you all the best of luck. Um, I wish your daughter and your niece really well as they grow up and continue to enter their adulthood. And I hope that the world that they face and that they live with is the, better than the one that we're dealing with today, with the COVID and with racism and resurgent resurgence of racism. And I really hope that you're successful in all that you're trying to do and you know, the African-American community is successful in all that they're trying to do. And, and I hope that we really can get to a place where we really do judge each other by the content of our character and not the color of our skin. I know some people are fighting hard against that and they're really in a bad way and really scared about the future that's going to be here. Um, I, I'm, I, I really wish you the best, and I hope that uh, everything works out so that we can all live good, decent, productive lives. We can learn from the past. We understand what happened in the past. It doesn't have to be the future. The the things that happened to your ancestors, things that happened to my ancestors, um, you know, that doesn't have to define our futures. And I I hope that we can really get it together. I I really hope so. So thank you so much for coming on. I'd like to reach out to you again at some point in some time and just kind of touch base and make sure everything's okay and make sure that uh, you guys are on target and on schedule and all that kind of stuff.
1: okay thank you thank you very much for having me on Absolutely. thank you for listening
0: and you'll you have to teach me that language one time so i know i'm not getting sworn at or something so <laughs> 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 all right you take care of yourself thank you so much for being on the podcast thank you so much thank you. okay take care thank you. bye bye